Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Skath. He's Mike Worman. Today we're going to recap the NFL's Week 15 action, update our ongoing betting competition, also talk about the uh, World Cup final from just a few days ago, and then get into the NFL's Week 16 preview. Uh, we'll start where we've been starting the last several weeks with uh, recapping action from last week uh, in the NFL. Mike, what did you find to be the most interesting story from week 15? Was it the uh, continued success from a Mr. Irrelevant third string quarterback um, leading the 49ers um, into a playoff spot now, now wrapped up? Um, the, I'm going to guess it's probably not the chiefs narrowly, uh, winning an overtime against a very, not very good team. Um, but then clinching the division, uh, or something else like the, uh, largest comeback or largest collapse, depending on which um, <laughs> angle you want to take from it, from that, um, in an NFL game, um, uh yeah what, what 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 was most interesting in week 15 yeah week 15 was a strange week i think um in that a lot of the teams that were supposed to be very good played a lot of really close games against teams that were not supposed to be very good and that includes i think the vikings barely beating the colts uh the the uh, Eagles really having a tough time with the Bears, the Cowboys actually losing to the Jaguars, the Chiefs barely beating um, the uh, Texans, even though we will talk about that game more. The way that game looks from a box score perspective, it seems like the Chiefs really dominated that game. Mm. So I, you know, I think, I think the Brock Purdy story is still interesting. I guess I, I think maybe the most interesting story was actually the way the Patriots Raiders game ended that, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the game being close wasn't a surprise because I think both teams are decent, but flawed in a lot of ways. I don't think the Patriots have a very good offense. I think the Raiders have a bad coach, uh, but it kind of ironically, it, it hinged on the, what, might be poor coaching. I don't know if you call it poor coaching or not, but uh, the, a dumb mistake or a series of mistakes that the Patriots made at the very end of that game. Not, you know, not, not playing for overtime, but trying to score the winning touchdown as if they were behind mm-hmm. uh, in that game and had run out of time. And um, it turned out to be a, a, a defensive touchdown by the Raiders to end, to end the game in regulation. Um, what was... What what did you think of that game, and what was what was your most interesting uh, part of the week? I think I think there are lots of pieces as well. I think I think the Colts collapse and the continued Jeff Saturday kind of uh, spiral is, is is kind of interesting, but uh, it's more more of just a cliff, really, isn't it? It's um <laughs> it's just one awful thing after another for for Saturday um, after that one very brief high after winning you know winning his first game, but. Uh, yeah, it's a little or, bit like or, or like Baker Baker Mayfield won his first game and then didn't look so good in the second yeah. <laughs> collapse there too, like not playing well. I um, have an analogy for the Jeff Saturday uh, situation. If you want to get to it later, or do you want to do it now? Sure, go for it. 
the Simpsons analogy. You remember that episode, early Simpsons episode, where Homer, um, where Bart was going to jump over Springfield Gorge on his <laughs> um, skateboard, and Homer ended up doing it instead, and he went down the gorge, and everybody thought he was going to die, uh, but then he uh, was up and he was in the air and he thought, "Ooh, I'm gonna make it! I'm gonna make it! I'm gonna make it!" And he seemed, was very celebratory, but then he crashed uh, horribly and hit all the rocks coming down, like every and, rock on the way down. Yeah. And then when they they the the helicopter and uh, ambulance helicopter or whatever uh, lifted him up on the stretcher, it banged his head on the rocks as he went up, and then he went into the ambulance and the ambulance crashes into the tree and opens the back up and Homer falls down. Uh, the uh the the ravine again um so what, second where, time. so where is he in this sequence right now i think well there are only three games left but i think we're at least to the crashing of the ambulance <laughs> into the tree because <laughs> <laughs> um, i think that the victory the victory um because we had the vic the victory of uh, Saturday's first game that was the he was up in the air over I think the, I'm gonna make it oh I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it and then I think when he was way ahead they're way ahead of um the Vikings he was put in the ambulance so he, he's gonna be all right but yeah. then it crashes again so I, I think I think maybe that's I think that's maybe that's where we are um <laughs> so, so does that mean he's gonna get like 36 more seasons <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> it's good to have many is that, is that where you were going with that? No, I was. That, I, I was going to end it at the at, in that episode, but uh, um, I think that was from season two. Uh, Bart, Bart the Daredevil was the name of the episode, but uh, uh, but I think that was in some ways that's the birth of the uh, kind of modern uh, Homer Simpson. When, when the show became more about, it was less about, like the first couple of seasons were more about Bart and his hijinks. Right. And then as the show got better, it became more about Homer uh, as the center. And yeah. his Homer was funnier than, than just kind of a bad kid, Bart. And Bart was better supporting character. And so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he'll get, um, yeah, uh, three more decades plus as the <laughs> Colts head coach, but. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's really is how far does this analogy go? Is it uh <laughs> will it go all the way? To <laughs> so yeah, additional Jeff, 30 seasons. So yeah, Jeff Saturday as Colts coach, he started out with a 25-20 win over the Raiders, a very close loss to the Eagles, a fairly close loss to the Steelers, a blowout loss to the Cowboys, bad loss. A, a big win and then a three-point loss to the Vikings. So he still has the Chargers, Giants, and Texans left on the schedule. So I guess maybe you could say he's still at the bottom of the ravine and maybe he's just being rescued right now, but his head is banging against... There's still there's still room for three more weeks for uh, horrible things to happen. So I don't, I, yeah, if that if it's a perfect analogy, I'm not, uh, I guess that would be what it is. Yeah. I know Saturday was wanting to like parlay this per- potential success into a more long-term head coaching job, but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. 
it, was it was he actually named like the, the an interim coach or did they just hire him to be the coach? Was it? I think he was named interim coach. That, that's what I that's what I thought. But because it, that way, it's strange. To... I think there still are more rules that you have to follow to hire head full time head coaches, like you know the um, interview minority candidates and things like that, which the, the, the Colts didn't do. So I think I think when you name an interim coach, I don't again I don't know how long an interim coach can last either. So maybe he can stay. Maybe they could uh, have to stay. <laughs> interim coach uh as long like as multiple years because every coach really is an interim coach uh yeah in the nfl it just depends yeah. on how long the you know nobody has a job for life maybe maybe other than belichick uh andy reed might be approaching that territory you, now, you think but, he'd be in that in that area i mean yeah as many as many wins as he's uh, gotten you know in his uh, different stints it's actually a little surprising that the that the, that the eagles let him go in some regard Except they've yeah. gotten almost to the Super Bowl several times, and that's really what they were looking to. to they yeah, thought, they he, thought he was capped out, basically, right? Like, he yeah, he had kind of. Um, so he started. Let's look at his, his record. He started coaching the Eagles in 1999, and he uh, went five and eleven his first season, and then. He went eleven to five the next year, lost in the divisional round. Uh, went eleven to five, lost in the NFC Championship game. Twelve and four, lost in the NFC Championship game. Twelve and four, lost in the NFC Championship game. Thirteen and three in two thousand four, lost in the Super Bowl. And then um, his teams were not quite as regularly successful. Yeah, he had a losing season in two thousand five. Ten and six divisional title. Two thousand six, lost in the first round. Eight and eight, two thousand seven. Nine, six and one, not as good. But they ended up making the NFC Championship game, losing to the Cardinals. That was the year the um, Steelers beat the Cardinals with Kurt Warner in the Super Bowl. Uh, then a couple of wild card losses, and then his last two seasons were eight and eight, and four and twelve. So um, his teams overall were one thirty, ninety three and one. Uh, so, but yeah, those last two seasons. He was 12 and 12 and 20, I guess. So maybe that was the catalyst. I think he had, they thought maybe he had lost control of the uh, locker room and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and I think that was, yeah. Then he went basically one year, the next year he went to the Chiefs and he's had, his worst record was nine and seven here. Was that his first season? That was his second season. So he went to the, he was eleven to five the first year, and that was the year they lost to the Colts in that horrible wild card playoff oh, game. Right. They were up at like um, thirty eight to six or something. Was that the score? It was, I think it was like thirty eight to six, and they lost forty five to forty four. Um, and yeah, that was really bad. Um, it was. Third way to know, 31 to 10, 38 to 10. They're up 38 to 10 in that game. Yeah. Lost 45, 44 to, uh, but yeah, we went to the, that was the year that we went to the game in Kansas City about two weeks before that wild card game when they played Indianapolis at home and they got blown out. Uh, we were, we were, um, trying to get into the stadium, right? And, uh, the Chiefs scored a touchdown on our way to our seats, 
in that like frigid cold stadium where we had to like chip ice off the off the seats and that oh, was yeah. and that turned out to be the only points the Chiefs scored all day and it was a a big loss uh, to the Colts. We so we were bad luck is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, well, what's what's Andy Reid's Chiefs record though? His Chiefs record is one fourteen and forty five in the regular season, and then he's nine and seven in the postseason. But but has the most important win though. Yeah. Since uh, yeah, since Mahomes has been the quarterback, he is for he is eight and three in the postseason. Not so bad. That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. So overall, he is nineteen and sixteen uh, in the postseason. So, and that's that's pretty good, I think, because you, you you know losing, you know, all those games are going to be tough, and even having a five hundred having a five hundred record in the playoffs is. Well, uh, how many how many um, league championship series appearance? Yeah, he's made it to one, two, three, five, five NFC championships chip games, and then. Uh, four AFC Championship games, so he's made it to nine. Yeah, that's and, that's. I mean, that's a pretty good track record. For, yeah, I guess he's only won three of those and done the three Super Bowls, and he's won and two in the Super Bowl. But yeah, nine, um, nine league title games is is tough to beat. Uh, a lot of kind of fluky things happen in, in an individual game, but getting to an, a league championship game is not necessarily very easy. No, <laughs> but having gone there, yeah, nine times is uh. Is quite is quite a feat for any coach. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe um drifting back a bit to uh, that last play of the uh, New England uh, Raiders game. And that, that I think that was maybe one of the worst plays that has ever happened on an NFL field. <laughs> like that was just totally absurd. Uh, yeah, I I've heard some. I, the first lateral I think was fine. Mm-hmm. I think so too. The yeah. second one was the second one across the field, way back. Was like it, it was over field. ten yards in in a, the field back, but it was probably like a thirty yard pass. Yeah, I guess yeah. technically you could have thrown in Mac Jones, and he could have thrown a forward pass still. Yeah, well, um, it would have been across the line of scrimmage though. So I don't know where he was standing. I guess yeah. But the ball went across the line of scrimmage, though, already. Does that matter? I, I, I think that matters. Does that matter? It was, there, was no, there hadn't been a forward pass. I think yeah. once the ball crosses the line of scrimmage, I think that ends the no. pass opportunity, I believe. Because I know, like, a, actually, that's not true. Because a player right, that came up with, with Mahomes, right? Because he had, like, mm-hmm. his back foot was still behind the line of scrimmage when he threw it. And that was that was actually what mattered. The player had to be behind the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it oh, says it says here uh, if the ball, whether the player, whether in player possession or loose, crosses the line of scrimmage, a forward pass is not permissible, regardless of whether the ball returns behind the line of scrimmage before the pass is thrown. So yeah, so yeah. so yeah, um, Jones, even if he had caught it, he could not have thrown um, the pass. But had he caught it and thrown a pass, at worst, it would have been like a five yard penalty or whatever right yeah. and it then that would have ended regulation without yeah. losing the game yeah but, it would have been an offensive penalty so it would just been the end of the game yeah but the but the backwards pass and that in that scenario was there was only one person that could have gotten to it and that was mac jones right yeah and he's like the least athletic 
player on the team. But every other player that was back in that area were defensive players. Yeah. yeah and they were all watching the play. It's not like they weren't um, paying attention. <laughs> or they're all laying on the ground and just not participating. Um, but, I mean, even if it even if it was, you know, an incomplete pass, it's still a live ball because it's being lateral. It's, you know, if Mac Jones doesn't catch it, but it, you know, bounces off of him and rolls away, it's still a live ball. Yeah. It's not an, it wouldn't be the, you know, like an incomplete pass and, and you know, yeah, play. and it was the middle of the field too. So it wasn't like, you know, you could like kind of scoop it out of bounds or something just to end the play. <laughs> Maybe the worst play I've ever seen anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think you'd do that on a, you know, in a field by your house if you're playing a game with your family at Christmas or, you know, at Thanksgiving or something. Right. So, yeah. It, it, um, because, and it's also like, the way that play was run, it was just to run up the middle to end the game, basically. Like, they knew there's not going to be no time on the clock. And I guess maybe if you think you can get a touchdown out of it, you're going to go for it. But, like, yeah, at least the first but time. the worst case scenario that wasn't, that wasn't is that important. it goes to overtime, right? Yeah. And then they, they, they're like, no, there's a worse scenario. Here, let me show you. <laughs> I've, was... I've heard some blame placed on now – um offensive coordinator matt patricia uh because he for some reason he's the new england offensive coordinator or last like when he had been in new england before he was the defensive coordinator and did the you know a, a defensive line coach and stuff like that but for some reason right. he's the offensive coordinator uh in um this go round uh that doesn't seem to make sense yeah i mean he's been a head yeah. coach now but yeah he used to be a head coach but he's still he was, I guess he was the offensive line coach at one point. Oh. Wait, let me see. No? I'm looking ahead at his jobs. He was an offensive grad. He was an offensive assistant, an assistant offensive line coach in 2005, 2004, 2005. Then he was the linebackers coach from 06 to 10, safeties coach, defensive coordinator, head coach. So I guess he had technically been on the offensive staff of the Patriots, but that was – 16 years ago 17 years ago but he, he was a defensive player himself right uh he was a offensive lineman oh he was oh okay but he didn't but he only, he only played in college he didn't he didn't and that was at um uh Rensselaer uh Polytechnic Institute so not a powerhouse um he was just a you know, it's a division. division. You, don't, you don't consider that a powerhouse? <laughs> Maybe they're a division three powerhouse. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he played division three. Um, there's a division three offensive lineman as a center and guard. Okay. Well, so, I mean, if he was an offensive lineman, then he should know how offense works. Yeah. So I guess he, I guess by this point, he knows how the offense defense works. But I, but I've seen some people say, well, maybe he was not coaching the finer details at the end of the game, maybe, or was paying it, like, was not, you know, making sure all the X's and O's, you know, the I's and I's were dotted and the T's were crossed or whatever. But um, that seems, yeah, this, it, yeah, it was just a very bizarre uh, ending and kind of ironic that the person who's considered to be the one of the, the best or one of the best coaches of all time uh, lost that game to perhaps one of the worst coaches in the NFL, uh, his former assistant, Josh McDaniels. 
<laughs> because of that cape. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and he has like a crazy record against former uh, assistants too, right? Doesn't Bel- doesn't Belichick have some absurd record against? Uh... Yeah, I think he's got. Let's look that up. I remember hearing a stat from a couple of years ago about it that that he, you know, usually just destroys his former assistants. Um, it seemed like he took it personally. Like if they if they left and he did make sure that they knew that he was still smarter than whoever his former assistant was, right? Oh no, he. I, I, it turns out, oh, he did at one point. But yeah, in the past five years. So he's currently. Um, I don't know if this includes the Raiders game or not. It says he's 18 and 19 all time against former assistant coaches or players. Wow, oh, that's really changed. In the past five years, he has won just six of 16 games. So he's just six yeah. and a half more recently. Um, so I guess um, some of the, a lot of those games, I think, come against Tennessee, where Mike Rabel was the coach. Right. And he technically wasn't a coach under Belichick. He was a player. Yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. But yeah, the... Um, yeah, the McDaniels. Uh, yeah, the the loss to. Um, yeah, that 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 loss, I think, is is very. So I you, I think you think that McDaniels is probably the worst head coach, or is he or is or is he better slightly better than uh, Nathaniel Hackett? What's your assessment? Well, I mean, Hackett's only had one go around, and McDaniels is is you know a twice failure. I think at this point. Um, so I would say McDaniel's is worse than Hackett, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't think like Hackett should get another chance to do this again. I don't. I don't know what the point is. Like these guys are don't seem to like understand how to be a head coach. It seems like there must be just something that's missing with that, or who they surround themselves with to be part of their staff. They just don't. They just can't do it at the at this level. From yeah. what from what I from what it seems like to me. Is that? I don't know. Yeah, you, from what this, you see, or this would have been. I think McDaniel's is the, the rate. Is the Raiders were up seventeen to three at halftime. I think it would have been like the fifth or fourth time that the Raiders lost a two plus touchdown lead in the second half. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, to uh, if if they had lost that game, um. So, yeah. Well, they, do, you, do you see this as a Raiders win or a or a? Uh... New England loss, or just like a uh, let's just get to next week and not worry about this. <laughs> what happened in this? I one? see it more as a New England loss because New England lost it. Like you don't know what was going to happen, but New England lost it in a, such a spectacular way, and that loss probably cost them a chance at the playoffs because um, the Jets also lost, the, the Dolphins also lost in their division. They would have been eight and six. Um, they would have. Um, I don't know if they would have been on the inside of like what they would have been the seventh seed over the Dolphins or not. Um, or the I guess it would just depend on the the, the way the Chargers, mm-hmm. Dolphins, Patriots, um, eight and six uh, trio kind of. Um, yeah, or two two okay. are in, one is out. Two are in, one is out. And being eight and six, you know the Ravens are also maybe not doing quite as well. Depending on you don't know when Lamar Jackson is going to come back. Mm-hmm. So 
had they been eight and six, their playoff chances would have looked a lot better than seven and seven. And, True. And now they're tied with the Jets on the outside looking in. The Raiders and Jaguars are kind of moving up, even though I don't I don't think I don't think really um the Jaguars because the Jaguars have the best chance because maybe they can go past the Titans to win the division, but um I don't see Yeah, they're they're only a game back right now. Yeah. Tennessee, right? Yeah, they're game back to Tennessee, but they've lost both games against Tennessee. So they're so, so they're essentially two games back. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a tiebreaker. With three games to go. Yeah. Um yeah. I don't I I, I the way the, the seven teams that are currently in the AFC playoffs. So we have the Bills at the one, Chiefs two, Bengals three, Titans four because they're divisional leader. And then Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins, five through seven. Those are the teams that I see probably making it. I, I think those teams are all actually cut above better than the Patriots or Jets at seven and seven or the Jaguars Raiders, six and eight Browns, Steelers, six and eight as well. Mm-hmm. Technically, I'd, like, I'd like to see Jacksonville work their way into it, but I don't, it seems pretty tough if they, yeah, already have lost both games to Tennessee. That's going to make it really hard to get by them yeah they lost let's see i make sure that they have lost both games to tennessee i thought they did no they played t- the titans last game oh never mind never mind it's a lot better they beat and they actually beat uh uh tennessee the one time so actually they have a they have a good chance they currently have the tiebreaker so if they, they win if they the win again they'll not just tie but they'll take the lead yeah yeah so i'd say yeah if the Jaguars win out, they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. Because the Titans will have, the Titans will have eight losses, and then the Jaguars. Yeah. yeah, I was. I don't know why I thought the Titans had lost twice to. Um, I mean, the Titans had beaten the, the Jaguars twice. I don't. Yeah. I was thinking of the Colts. Maybe I was thinking. Maybe, maybe I was that's. Thinking, a, yeah. I think I was thinking of the Colts because the Colts were the original favorite in the. Um, uh, it was the Colts or the Titans were the favorites. In the South at the beginning of the season, yeah. So the the um, the Jaguars only have to beat. Yeah, if they win out, uh, I think they're they yeah they've got a really good chance. And they've uh, got it's um at Jets at Texans and then Titans at home. So yes, yeah. If they went out. They'll be nine. Good chance. I think they're they yeah. worse routes. Yeah. So yeah. So. They, they yeah they will be nine and eight, uh, and so the tight who do the Titans have left? They have the te- they have the Texans at home, home against the Cowboys at Jaguars. So their schedule is actually tougher, mm-hmm. and um, because of the Cowboys, right? Because of the Cowboys, because I guess you could say the Jets are have, the other two games are common uh, opponents between the two. Yeah, because they both have Houston left, and they mm-hmm. both play and they play each other, right? So yeah, that Cowboys. Titans game is going to be on the 20th. That's going to be a Thursday night game Ooh. in Tennessee. So that could be who knows what's going to happen in that game. Yeah, the, the Cowboys may not be playing for much in that position. Yeah. Two games to go. Their seed may be more or less locked. Yeah, basically because they're, they're stuck outside the they can't. They can't um, jump over the Eagles. So, well, 
I guess there's there's this very very slim chance, right? Yeah, it's it might not matter much for the Titans either because um, all the Titans have to do is be Jacksonville. Is be Jacksonville, and you know if they if they, if they happen to, if they're for example if they're eight and seven if they beat Tennessee and they're eight and seven going in, and um, you know they can be eight and eight because the best Jacksonville going into that game would also be eight and eight, so it doesn't really matter. Um, as much that game maybe uh, for Tennessee, but yeah, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting um, um, scenario. Jacksonville, uh, do you want do you want to get into our you want to get into the betting uh, for last week? Talk about that. Sure. Let's um let's go a quick maybe say a few things about um like for the most interesting stories though I do think um Brock Purdy in San Francisco I think is maybe oh, yeah. maybe the most interesting really because it is um yeah third string quarterback. I think it'll be it'd be the first like third string quarterback to lead a team into the playoffs like this anyway. Um, it's pretty interesting to see, yeah, just to see, um, you know, a team that's that's that good still, you know, being able to perform well with you know going to a now a third option. I think is really interesting. Anyway. Yeah, they they clinched the division. They are at least going to be the number three seed. And with, with a chance possibly to move into the two seed. Yeah, depending on what Minnesota, the Vikings you know, do. maybe falters a little bit. Um yeah, it depends on what the Vikings do. Um yeah. but yeah, they, the the whoever wins the NFC South is is uh slated to be the number four seed no matter what. Yeah. And that team's gonna have to play probably play the, is probably gonna play the Cowboys as the five. Um and so in some ways being the number three or two is is a bigger advantage than being number one because um unless so if let's for, say for example they're in the playoffs uh the cowboys are five and they win at number four if the if the favorites win on wild card weekend it's the cowboys uh who are the lowest seeded team they're going to go to philadelphia and the 49ers would just have to play the Vikings. Uh, yeah. So I think it it might be advantageous to be where the 49ers are, no matter, especially if they could be the number two seed, because then the Vikings, so they would take care of the you know commanders or giants or whatever at home. And then as long as Minnesota didn't get upset, <laughs> yep. they would, they would face the Vikings, uh, which I guess is pretty, yeah. it's a pretty real possibility that the Vikings can upset in the first round, but um, yeah, and then they may end up like hosting the um, NFC Championship game if Dallas were to beat uh, Philadelphia, then too, right? Yeah, so they could they could have home games all the way to a Super yeah. Bowl appearance. And as we've talked about, it, it it makes a very interesting quarterback controversy in that. Uh, what do you do? Do you get rid of do you? Do you uh, get rid of Purdy, who's taking the team perhaps to uh, at least NFC Championship game, maybe Super Bowl, uh, in mm-hmm. place of the unknown, um, you know, uh, Trey Lance, or which I think I think if you, I think you do get rid of Purdy at that point, yeah, I think well, I think his um, trade value would be the highest it could be. So it seems like another team may want him to be a starter, and yeah, because they've invested so much in Lance. Yeah, uh, but 
yeah, I, I wouldn't, yeah, it's a good, it's somewhat a good, of a good problem to have, but I don't think if you're Trey Lance, you want to be in that <laughs> situation either. Maybe getting rid of Lance might be the one. Yeah. Pretty, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, especially if they, if they go deep into the playoffs with yeah, like, let's say they go deep into the playoffs with Purdy and then they have Lance as the starting quarterback the next year and he doesn't do so well. He that would just be oh that would be bad for the 49ers and bad for Lance. Um yeah, it's it's kind of bad for and it makes them look not so good too. Because they because they you know spent so much capital to to get Lance. Um, you yeah, know, a relatively high pick. I so, think they traded um, three. Uh, let's see. So they they uh, they tr- yeah they they uh, the Forty Niners um, traded their twenty twenty one pick for the Dolphins pick. So they exchanged picks. And then they gave two additional first round picks to Miami and a third round pick uh, this year. So, um, you know, the, you know, three, uh, three, three high, three high round draft picks, like it cost uh, the 49ers to move up to that position. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the guy they're having the most success with um, is their very last pick in the most recent draft. Not the not the draft before. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where the I think Kyle Shanahan has prided himself on not really needing a great quarterback in his mm-hmm. offense, and they ended up spending all that money on a what they thought would be a a big time quarterback prospect, and and that's been um, yeah that hasn't paid off for sure. Yeah, but but actually going ahead and drafting a, a late round uh, quarterback this year has, has very much paid off. Though, right? yeah. So maybe, maybe saving their season from what could be something, you know, a big letdown anyway, for what their expectation was going into the season. Um, so, but next, this, this next game, um, Brock Purdy, unless he really collapses, will have passed Lance in yardage in his career for the 49ers uh, over Lance. So Lance has um, played Yeah, he only played like two games at any or three Lance games? Lance has started four games. Oh, four, okay. Um, he's played in a total of eight games and he's thrown five touchdowns, three interceptions. He's thrown for 797 yards. Uh, Purdy has played in Six games, started two. He's already thrown um, six touchdowns and two interceptions, or only two interceptions, um, 678 yards. So it's only about 120 yards less. Uh, and his quarterback rating party so far is 100.6. Uh, Lance is 84.5. So um, he hasn't been too many games. But still, it's one of those things where Purdy's uh, stats already – uh, he actually has uh, a rushing touchdown as well, where Lance does not. Where Lance only has one, too. So they're, they're tied in number of rushing touchdowns. Yeah, Lance has a lot more yards rushing than Purdy does, but um, crazy. Yeah, it's it's been a 
And I, I heard too that, um, yeah, it was like um, touchdown passes of over 25 yards. I think Garoppolo had one this season in the seven games that he started and pretty now pretty has four in the two. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it was, yeah, I think it was actually just up 25 yards exactly too. So I think it was, um, yeah, it, it was, um, let's, let me look up the stats. Well, still, that's pretty, I mean, that is pretty, pretty crazy too. Yeah. You know, I've started that many games and, and the touchdowns that were thrown were, relatively short or rushing touchdowns right? uh-huh. but they're not they're not a, i mean they're not a heavy quarterback you know required they're not requiring a whole lot from their quarterback they're winning games with defense and and controlling the ball oh uh, garoppolo did throw he threw a 38 yard touchdown pass to they'll never guess to whom Uh, it was to tight end Ross Dwelly. Oh, so it was not uh, George Kittle. Kittle. Not Kittle, yeah. Because I think um, I think Kittle caught two relatively long touchdown passes from Purdy in this last yeah. game. Um, so and uh, it was it was the pass went 16 yards in the air. Uh, in oh, there was a in November. This is early November. Um, Christian McCaffrey. Had also threw for a thirty-plus yard touchdown. Pass. Oh wow! Um, there was a um, a stat before um, Purdy came. Touchdown passes thrown thirty-plus yards downfield for the 49ers in the past three seasons. Um, Christian McCaffrey won. Trey Lance won. C.J. Beathard won. Wow! Jimmy Garoppolo zero. <laughs> oh, wow! Zero. It didn't travel. It didn't travel in the air. Far enough, I guess. Oh wow! <laughs> but I guess you can't. You know, you can't just blame long touchdown passes because I think Mahomes' long touchdown pass is only fifty yards this year or something. So it's um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Purdy has run the offense capably, and mm-hmm. it seems like just as capably as so far as anyone else. I guess we'll we'll see when they get to the playoffs. But um, it's not like Purdy has played the worst teams in his two starts that was you know he uh, played both two teams that were both con- you know contending for playoff position and uh in the Tampa in Tampa Bay and Seattle but mm-hmm. division rival in the last game and yeah I think they they controlled the game pretty well and uh they, they gave up a relatively late touchdown but still won by eight Thinking this was in twenty, and, and I guess he also played most of the game against the Dolphins. Or did when I don't remember when um, Garoppolo went down. I think it was pretty early. Yeah, yeah, he played most first, of the game against the first Dolphins. drive. I think, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Garoppolo only attempted four passes against uh, Miami. So, yeah, I think Miami had, or the sorry, the 49ers had like a a pretty long drive. So it may have been like near the end of the first quarter, even because I think it was a uh, nine or ten play drive before yeah Garoppolo went down. And I think they missed the field goal, and then Purdy took over. I think it's how that went, but uh, yeah. What so what, what did you think about the uh, the Chiefs victory? The Chiefs game. I was going to yeah, I think the Chiefs. Yeah, they dominated that game statistically, and 
I think the score was this is I I don't want to um, get into the uh, conspiratorial talk that sometimes <laughs> you you are but I I think the fact that they were against um, you know they were they were uh, against uh, Carl uh, Sheffers as the referee uh, did not help them because Sheffers uh, is it seems like is biased against the Chiefs uh, and I think he's been this has been the case since. Um, the uh a, a playoff game where the chiefs lost to, you remember this game where the chiefs lost to uh the steelers and um they had tied the game or they're going to win it but there was like a holding call on a two-point conversion or a winning touchdown um that was pretty iffy and it cost and it cost the chiefs the game and after the game kelsey was really mad and said that Jeffers shouldn't even be allowed to work at Foot Locker after this game. <laughs> he shouldn't. He shouldn't be aware, allowed to wear the striped shirt. Not even. Not even if you worked at Foot Locker. Yeah, and <laughs> that was like six years ago now, or five years ago. And I, before Mahomes was um, the quarterback, even before Mahomes was on the team, I think. Yeah, and I think since then. Um, Sheffers has had it out for the Chiefs, and I. Do you think I that, you think that quote watch. had something to do with it, or I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I I did look up I looked up a couple of things. I, I did find um, NFLpenalties.com. Did you know this website existed? No. Um, where I, like actually like um accounts for each penalty, um, and there are lots of ways to sort the statistics. I've just been interested to see like what what's been called against the Chiefs like across the season anyway, mm-hmm. and I think I think like what the kind of like you know penalties that show that a team isn't necessarily like well disciplined would show up most in like a false start call like where they're not actually like together. Yeah, um, and the Chiefs like rarely get called for false starts. Five only five false start calls all season against the Chiefs. League average fifteen false start calls per team hmm. and um delay of game only twice this season have the chiefs been called for delay and i think the other one was that i was looking at were was uh well, like illegal formation they've been called for twice that's surprising usually i think of them as getting called a decent amount for that i mean maybe that's years past and in illegal motion only once too. So th- like those are kinds of like like metrics that you could, I think you could look at for like how you know together a team how well coached a team is, mm-hmm. and 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 they're like you know far ahead of what the league average is um, in those types of penalties. But man, when it comes to like holding and defensive holding and defensive pass interference, I mean they get just hit hard constantly on those. They've been called for 11 defensive pass interference calls. League average is six, I guess. But it's cost them 200 yards on the season for hold, for defensive pass interference. And like you had mentioned, I believe, the Chiefs always get called for that for one particular type of defensive pass interference so they don't turn. And the mm-hmm. other team never seems to get called for that. You are correct. Because mm-hmm. opponents have only been called for defensive pass interference against the Chiefs twice. The season while they've been called the Chiefs have been called eleven times. Yeah, and that seems like I'm I don't think the Chiefs throw the ball five times fewer than uh their opponents. I think they throw the ball probably as much as their opponents do. As much or more even. Yeah. And that's surprising. Um 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm watching the games. It's not that surprising, but um, I see that in the, yeah, uh, yeah, the Chiefs. It says they have, in terms of net yardage this year. I'm looking at that website right now. Yeah, um, in terms of net yardage, the Chiefs are minus 111 uh, in terms of net yardage. Well, no, I believe that was almost exactly the number of yards they were called for in the last game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they have been called – only 73 penalties have been called against them compared to 83. That's, that's a low toll, but, but it's, I think it's skewed by the fact that they're not getting – they're not actually doing false starts, and they're not you know doing that type of penalty, which most teams are probably getting more of those calls against them. Yeah. And they do have a really high number of penalties on special teams. I think they had like 15 of their 73 penalties were on special teams, which only, you know, is only one play at a time that special teams is on the field, you know? Yeah, it seems like they get a special teams. So I'd say half of the uh, punt or kickoff returns uh, that the Chiefs have. Well, in this last game, they were called for a, for a holding call on a, a punt that was just wasn't even returned it was a just a fair catch and they still call the holding somewhere along the line they never showed it so you know we couldn't actually see what it looked like <laughs> but uh yeah i think i think if, if um if i were giving a recommendation to the to the chiefs about how to handle special teams would be never return the ball there's no benefit with the way the officials have called things against the Chiefs specifically, it seemingly, they should never return the ball. Fair catch everything. Don't hold anybody. Don't block anybody. Just get a fair catch and get off the field. Let the offense go to work. <laughs> and not from 10 yards behind where they should have had the ball had they not tried to return it. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's Yeah, I, I don't even see. Yeah, they shouldn't even put a person back there. Because they've they've dropped like uh, you know uh, Sky Moore's dropped I think three punts so far and 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 I think there've been some trouble like why even bother trying to return the punt? There's nothing yeah especially if if you don't have like Hardman back there or somebody who's because uh, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, I think you know stay up on the line of scrimmage, make sure they don't fake it and. Right. Maybe have a guy sort of back there. Just let him punt it, and it doesn't matter if the field is slightly shorter. If you have Patrick Mahomes, uh, and yeah, I, I, I would but say the only thing you don't want to do is make it even harder for him, though. So there's no reason to push yourself back like inside the five, unless they just you know punt it to the five. <laughs> that seems to be the only way. I don't. I don't know why they why they bother trying to return anything. Cause it's just they just get called for everything, no matter what. And then the other teams don't seem to get called for the same type of play against the Chiefs. That's. I sort of get it. If you look at at um. You know, at a at an individual matchup, you'd think teams that have good records probably aren't going to get as many calls against them as teams that have bad records. But mm-hmm. if the, if there's a big discrepancy in an individual game with a very good team against a very not good team, that maybe you throw a few extra calls just to make sure the better team doesn't like run away with the game. 
because you don't want the game to just be awful if it's on you know television right yeah so like i i and i i can see that but like this last game was one of the worst officiating performances i've ever seen there was no consistency at all to it and there was like a two drive sequence where there were something like eight calls that were questionable and all of them went against the chiefs i I don't i just don't see what the chiefs have done to not you know get some calls in their favor occasionally right you know what i mean yeah i think it was uh yeah i i yeah i i think the nfl officiating is is notoriously bad and i think i think it's been worse this season uh, than last season. i think the we talked off the air uh about the end of the uh giants um commanders game of pass interference that should, probably should have been called terrible no no and, call yeah and yeah it seems like a lot of there have been a and, and the chiefs seem like they've had some memorable calls go against them Mm. Uh, with the uh, Chris Jones uh, roughing the passer uh, when he stripped the ball, uh, the Chris Jones saying something mean to Matt Ryan when that kind of cost the Chiefs the game, and mm. you know, so I don't. Yeah, it seems like the officiate and like all these pass interference penalties. Yeah. And, you know, even even given the fact that the Chiefs secondary is pretty young, I think you can say, well, they're going to maybe have a little bit more than the other team, but. Um, they got Frank Clark um, offsides again, lined up offside again in this game. Yeah. Did you think he would have not not do that anymore? <laughs> Clark is yeah he's he had a good game otherwise, um, and he he forced I think he forced the fumble that right there there were a couple of really questionable calls in the overtime that did go the Chiefs' way, but they should never have been in overtime. <laughs> Was the, what was the uh, was was the was um, Mills was he down when the fumble occurred? Was that the close call or is it the uh, well the recovery, the recovery on the fumble was maybe not recovered by the Chiefs because it looked like one official was going to call it mm-hmm. um, that the Texans had recovered it, but I think I you know uh, Willie Gay apparently grabbed the ball and um, you know came out of the pile and paraded it around the stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, as is a bit of showmanship. Yeah. And, uh, I he, saw he made, that. He made some comments. Did you read the comments that he had made after? About no. It? He said that um, you know, in that's in the, he was he knew that what he was supposed to do was to grab the ball, show it to everybody there. So if they if the refs call it the other way, everybody knows that he's the one that came out of the pile with it to try to keep the refs honest. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't about like, you know, trying to <laughs> Yeah, it looked like the, the the Texans player got on it, but like it didn't necessarily mean that he was like had his hands on it. He was just kind of over it. He was like apparently it was like sitting on it, and Gay like took it from underneath him. Yeah, he was like having twins or something. And, yeah. yeah, and those and that's and that's one of those things where whoever comes out with it usually, usually, but they can call whatever they want, and then it's hard to review it because it's hard to overturn like, unless there's a clear yeah. And so they and they didn't really go into it too much, and they didn't review it. So um, they went ahead and you know said it was the Chiefs' ball. But that they could have done if they were if they were as corrupt as I claim that they are sometimes. 
they could have just given the ball to te- to the Texans, and then, and then I would be very outraged. I don't think they're – yeah, I think they're just – I think it's more incompetence than corruption. And I do think maybe there's a little bit of, of animosity that uh, Cheffers has against the Chiefs because of uh, some of the comments the Chiefs have made in the past. Yeah. Um, well, that, then, well, then just don't be terrible at your job. Is that not – is yeah. that not how – I don't think he called any – I don't think there are any – Penalties called against against Kelsey this past game, uh, so maybe yeah. That, um, but yeah, well, it, it isn't necessarily him. It just it's his crew, though, right? So yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't necessarily have control over everybody on the crew. It's just yeah, that's true. Unless he actually is the one throwing the flag on all the plays, but I yeah, know. he gets you know holding and the roughing the passer. Those are I guess it, there was a a bit of a. Mahomes got kind of tossed around in one of his sacks that it seems like the Chiefs tend to get called roughing on those plays. And yeah, um, Mahomes doesn't seem to get oh, um, Kelsey, Kelsey did get a, a, a personal foul call against him. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's right. On on a, a total nonsense call, too, because like the defensive player like was like actually holding Kelsey down. So he was like trying to get up and he pushed him back to the ground. Yeah. And then Kelsey like kind of pushed him back. And but you know no punches were thrown. The flag shouldn't actually have been thrown in that case. It just depends on what what official you know sees it and you know is offended by whatever happened. And then you know there are too many judgment calls. I think is my point here, and I don't think the refs are qualified to make judgment calls. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it, there's I think the rules should be drawn out in a more non-judgment call way. Yeah, because like I don't like maybe they, they shouldn't call personal fouls unless you know a punch is thrown or something like to that effect, right? Because like sometimes yeah. like teams kind of get into like push pushing matches and they don't throw flags on everybody that push somebody, mm-hmm. and that that's basically what what that scenario was with with Kelsey. I don't, I don't think they're qualified to make judgments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even I, though I that is their should, actual job is to make. Yeah, judgment. I I think there should be more review or there should be more of a kind of emphasis on like full-time employment as a referee rather than like let them be dentists or whatever in the off season and, and things like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case. That was um, they uh, uh, they've used officials are, yeah, they, the officials are considered to be part-time employees of the NFL. So they don't get insurance and crap like that. So I think that also, um, hurts the nfl if they paid them a little like if they were just like cheap and chintzy on the uh you know those things um they don't have insurance they do have 401k i guess but um uh they don't yeah there's not a whole lot of there has to be some way to make the officiating better without you know, having to do much like it just doesn't make sense how they how I mean how does the sport have integrity as a sport if the games are officiated this poorly like what 
I don't understand how almost in some to, to some extent that it's even a valid sport. Does this win mean anything? Like, is it just were they just given it by the officials or or I mean they were almost it was almost taken from them by the officials. Was it almost given it was it just given to them by the officials in the in the overtime then by having that fumble be awarded them? Because they won on the very next play. So all right. There's very little integrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, the NFL referees, they were gonna make transition to some of them be full time league employees. That was that was shelved in twenty nineteen. So all of the officiating rosters are part time employees. Um, but looks like referees at least make up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. For eighteen days of work. That's yeah, which isn't which isn't bad. Um, but I think also just in the, I don't think this is the case, but I think simply because um, gambling is more involved with the NFL uh, as time has gone on. Um, it looks bad for officiating to be so, so bad because people will um, assume that there's some sort of fix uh, in yeah. if it and and I guess partly you can't even good calls are going to be uh, half half the people are going to be upset some of the time, but it's 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 just not very it's just not very well done I think and when you have like the um, you know the analysts, the former refer- the former officials who are like looking in the booth afterwards, saying, "Well, that was a bad call. This was a bad call. That was uh, that. You know, why can't they? Why can't these things be, you know, fixed in some way or or something, some sort of mitigated and um, just have some some accountability for it. I mean, the, the leagues have like, you know, find players that committed a foul that wasn't called a foul." on on the field but nothing happens to the to the referees they, they don't get scolded or publicly shamed for making bad calls or encouraged to be better by some kind of incentive yeah i think there should be like this a, incentive for for being for making calls that they don't want to see i mean I, I have much more faith in like the legitimacy of mixed martial arts and the ufc <laughs> they actually suspend officials if they you know do something yeah. that's questionable so like and it's and it's you know that they've been suspended like they're not on TV if they, you know. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it would be nice if they had like a percentage correct, correct the calls correct or something like that versus incorrect, and you know like say well this like review like like what baseball does with um when we had the umpire that had the perfect game uh yes. in World Series yeah. Do you remember the umpire's name with the perfect game? We've talked about it twice now. Yep, and you reminded me the name, and I don't remember it again. <laughs> it's Pat Hoberg. Hoberg. Uh, very similar to Fred Hoiberg, the mayor yes. of uh, Ames. But um, Pat yeah. Hoberg. So, you know, they could call, they could do something like that, I think. And, and like, you know, they, I think that's what they do technically. Like, it's like a, it's like a proprietary kind of inside sort of thing. Like, they reward the officials they think have done the best job to give them like super bowl jobs and things like that yeah but, um i think if that were more public the acknowledgement of here was an error here was a you know maybe you could say quest you know like you could even say uh correct questionable wrong or something like that and, yeah and well, they need to be getting report cards like on a game-to-game basis yeah so that, that by the end of the season, they, you know, they either increase their performance or they 
you know, don't get to come back next year or next week even. But mm-hmm. yeah, how would you grade Carl Sheffer's performance in this last game? I I didn't get to see much of the game no. at all, but given the number of, I, I think ten, ten, it tends to be, and from what I've heard, it seems like the, the Texans, it's not like the Texans were playing a game that was completely above board and by the book. And there seemed to be a lot of kind of cheap shots and things like that, that they were doing and they weren't getting called. So it wasn't like they're holding, holding players down, pushing them down after they're trying to get up, stuff like that. That happened like the whole game. I think they try to like get that, to knock that off early. So they control the, so there aren't fights basically. That's really one of the main reasons why the referees are there, isn't it? It's a physical presence. Yeah. I think in general, most games, the number of penalties committed by each team is going to be about even. And that maybe there are occasional games where one side is doing things much worse than the other side, but it didn't seem like from what I saw that the Chiefs were much worse than uh, the Texans were. And they're they're the better team on the field Mm -hmm. too. So it's like, there's no reason to get, to try to, you know, make the, make the Chiefs look bad on the field. They hadn't had that Mm -hmm. many penalties called against them this season either yeah but given that the game turned out so close i'm glad i did not bet on the chiefs uh cover true Uh, they didn't come even close to covering we did we did much better on our bets this week you did last week and uh this was a triumphal triumphant week for me uh as i went three and oh on my bets and you did not too bad at uh, two and one um maybe maybe before we talk about our winning bets do you want to get Talk about your 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 lone uh, loser on, on the week, and whom do you blame? Uh, uh, the teams or uh, yourself? So my one losing bet was the one that I tend to not go with bigger spreads, and I did take Philly minus nine uh, at Chicago, and uh, and they did not cover that. They did win, but they did not cover. Um, and and so who do I blame for that? I, I think I I think I um my Jalen Hurts injury I think probably is what had a maybe had an effect on it because yeah, I think he was injured at the end of the third quarter. He, he finished the game out, but I don't think he was uh hundred percent. And so that's probably what it was. They 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 won by five. Yeah, they won twenty five to twenty. Yeah, and I think they they held the ball out to the end of the game too so they didn't they didn't need to score they were just holding they just sat on it i think they were up 25 13 after hurts in the fourth quarter ran for a touchdown pass uh and then there was uh also a two-point uh conversion afterward that put them up 25 or was it 23 13 then a safe was there a safety no there was a two-point conversion there was 25 there was a it was a touchdown run and then a two-point conversion run by Hertz to make it 25 to 13. Yeah. And then there was a later touchdown. Oh, of, uh, former former chief Byron Pringle. Yeah, Byron Pringle. 35-yard touchdown reception from Justin Fields. Former chief Cairo Santos for the extra point. <laughs> oh, so I guess I, I guess I have to more more uh, directly uh, blame former Chiefs 
and much of that team is uh, Matt Nagy's uh, roster. Uh, <laughs> and current, former, I think current, former Cyclone David Montgomery had two rushing touchdowns. And current uh, Bears GM is Ryan Poles, who was uh, a Chiefs uh, executive before moving on to uh, the Bears. So the current GM and the former coach of the Bears. So you could blame the Chiefs uh, for promoting uh, your success. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> Eagles did win, but I think this is just more of a week of, you know, underperformance of good teams against bad teams, artificial or not. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't watch that one. And Hertz so. got. And Hertz was 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 hurt. Or, um, but he did still rush for the last touchdown in the. Yeah. Do you think it's the? Do you think that hurt? They're using Hertz too much as a runner, and that is, and that might, and that might hurt. Uh, that might hurt, no pun intended, uh, the Eagles' playoff chances. Yeah, for sure. I know. I think that was. I think that was his mo- his highest. Um, rushing attempts on the season was in that game. Yeah, was, he, he 17, was, 17 carries, 61 yards. And he was hit rushing a touchdown. lot, apparently, too, um, as a quarterback. So, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you want to take that many hits, so many chances at getting injured. And then, you know, now has a sprained shoulder from what, from what I heard. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like seeing quarterback take hits. I don't like seeing Mahomes take, you know, a single hit if you don't have to. So, but you know, rushing the ball seventeen times, like you're bound to take somewhere in the area in the vicinity of seventeen hits in that game. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, if you uh, speaking Why of you? yeah, <laughs> speaking of Jalen Hurts running too much, the Philadelphia newspaper, Philadelphia Inquirer, um, uh, there was an article that was written just after the game. It says Jalen Hurts's MVP hopes die after Eagles coaches put him at risk too often. Um, they ran him, uh, so he's injured out for two games, maybe more. They say so. Goodbye, MVP. Goodbye. Uh, they they were running him too much, especially since they thought that Miles Sanders was doing well uh, running the ball. Why not let uh, the running back uh, run the ball? Do actually do his job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sanders only had eleven carries to hurt seventeen. That's yeah. Seems like a little bit of a waste. And it says, yeah, the Eagles have been pushing. This is another Yahoo Sports article. The Eagles have been pushing their luck all year with Jalen Hurts. Too many carries, too many hits. Hurts is 156 rushing attempts this year, third most in NFL history, uh, behind Lamar Jackson in 2019-2020. Behind Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. And Jackson, of course, lately has been injured a lot more than he was early on his career i mean you'd think um rg3 being the most easily pointed to you know of the russian quarterback um you know sort of like a story i guess to you know yeah don't do that yeah, There's no reason and, to do that, especially if he can throw, and he, he is decent at throwing. So, and I think you have that with Cam yeah. Newton as well. He fell off a cliff after you know six, I got like seven or eight years in the league, mm. and uh, you have you know Josh Allen. It seems like probably that might happen to him too. You know, it's you can't 
keep running it with as a quarterback for very long. You're you're he's just he's gonna get hurt. Yeah. I mean, why why do they um now draft running backs so low? It's because they don't get expendable. They they their career their 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 careers are shorter. Yeah, it's it's I yeah I think they're I think um maybe it's the recipe for winning this year for the Eagles. Mm. But I don't think it is a long is long term. It, uh, it's going to be successful in the long term. Yeah. Well, that was my loss. What was mm-hmm. your? You were only win. So what was what was your uh, what was your first? What was your least glorious win, Mike? I think my least glorious win, from my opinion, is the one I thought was probably going to happen the most, and that was the lion. I thought the lions would beat the jets. Um, for some reason, that was a uh, an even number of pick'em game where the Lions were at the Jets, but it was the Jets with um, Zach Wilson rather than Mike White. And Wilson has been not a very good quarterback this year. The, the Lions were surging. I don't think the Lions – and it ended up being a close game. I thought that the Jets might pull it up, but, uh, but uh, the Lions uh, won by a field goal 20-17. to 17. So that was my um, – I think that was the game I was – perhaps most confident about going in. I, I, I really didn't think the Jets were going to win. And they actually kept it closer than I thought. It was late, too. It was a, yeah, 51-yard touchdown pass with a minute 49 to go for the Lions to pull off the win. Yeah. It was the only touchdown pass of the day for uh, Jared Goff. So, yeah, because they had a punt return and a couple of field goals is all right. And it was the only touchdown pass caught by Brock. It was the only pass all day caught by Brock Wright, the tight end. Wow. So it was, it was uh, um, yeah, a bit of a unusual combination. But, yeah, I thought the Jets have a good defense, but I, I didn't think. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see the Jets's. I don't. I think the Jets have overachieved this year. I think they're yeah. they're currently seven and seven, same as the same as the Lions. But I think the Lions seven and seven record is a stronger seven and seven than the, the Jets. Well, the Lions seem to be you know coming up on seven and seven, and the Jets are on their way, you know, falling to seven and seven too. Yeah, the Jets at one point uh, they were seven and four. They lost their last three. Yeah, uh, six and three before that. They had been five and. To uh, yeah, they had, um, yeah, they've they've come back to earth. I think you need. I think you need a decent quarterback, and uh, I don't. And White was their best quarterback, and he's and he hasn't been playing. So Russell, I don't think uh, Zach Wilson is the answer, but who knows long term? Because because well, White was injured this week. Was so... yeah, White was injured. Yeah, he got injured in. Uh, the Bills, I think he has also been ruled out for the Thursday night game. Hmm. The, that game also had like, a, what I what I enjoy seeing in the uh, win probability charts where it's like the game sort of like middles along or both teams have like, you know, the odds flip back and forth. And like the Jets scored a very late touchdown. So it goes way towards the Jets side with like four minutes to go. And then all the way to the other side when when the Lions score late. Yeah, it's one of those yeah heart attack uh, kind of <laughs> look. 
like the end of the uh the Bills Chiefs playoff game last season was yeah. back and forth. <laughs> to like near one hundred percent to either, you know, either oscillating between both sides. Yeah, that was uh that was that that was the the craziest one of the craziest games ever, uh for yeah. sure. To yeah, it seems like the Chiefs games are always even when they're playing teams like the Titans, I mean, or I mean the Texans, um, they are um, lose. They 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 have, they play these very close games where it seems like they have a, prob- a very low probability of winning. Sometimes, mm. uh, yeah. So that was the that was the Lions Jets. I thought, yeah, I it was closer than to me. I thought it was going to be, but um, the Lions still pulled it out. What about your first? What about your win? What was what was your uh, first win? Uh, first one was um, a game we already talked about with the uh, San Francisco uh, favored by three and a half points uh, defeated uh, Seattle by 20 to 12 and uh, yeah that got me my it was actually my first game of this of that week anyway so that was the uh, um, my first win anyway yeah they won by eight uh, 20, I think it was a 21 and 13 was that the score 21 to 13 maybe 13 or 12 yeah yeah 21 to 13 I say 13 it was 13 yeah so yeah, it was a twenty-one to thirteen. Yes, yeah, there it is. Um, I would have. I I thought maybe that the the uh, it was a late touchdown by the um, Seahawks Seahawks to get it even that close. So it was it wasn't it wasn't close most of the game. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah that was yeah we talked about we talked about the I think both the um, we'll talk a little more about the Seahawks this week when I talk about my my bets this week, but. Yeah, Brock Purdy victory covering the spread. He's um, in the last three games where he's played. I think he's covered. He's covered each of the last three weeks. That's right. He's an automatic. You have to keep riding that, right? Well, maybe we should have. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of, um, oh yeah. So what? So what? Yeah. What was your um, mediumist glory victory this week, Mike? Well, I want to. I'm gonna say. You know, some people might count this as the best win that I had, but I think, uh, in terms of what happened, the way the game turned out, um, I think the least likely was my third pick. Um, but this one was the Jags. Uh, I picked Jaguars plus four and a half over Dallas. Um, that game went to overtime. I thought the Jaguars would keep it close. It was in it was in Jacksonville. Dallas was coming off uh, big victories. I think they're looking ahead to next week, looking ahead to Philadelphia. And I think that's what happened a little bit, but also Jack Jacksonville's uh, surging. Uh, they might win. Always talk about they might win the division, and uh, they had a pick six uh, in overtime to win the game uh, by by six, uh, thus covering uh, by ten and a half. Uh, handily covering, yeah, yeah, handily covering. Yeah, basically the only thing that would have sunk me was uh, a Cowboys touchdown to outright win so the game itself was um close most of the game um well it started to look like it could get out of hand in the third quarter yeah dallas went up 27 to 10 that's true at one yeah, point uh and then yeah jacksonville came roaring back to yeah actually take the, take the lead 31 27 <laughs> 31-27. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's actually seemed. It, I thought it was uh, last time when I was looking at it. I thought, well, uh, Jacksonville's keeping it close, but then yeah, Dallas opened up a fairly big lead, twenty-seven to yeah, twenty-seven ten. Yeah, and then um, 
Jacksonville came roaring back. I thought Jacksonville actually might win it in uh, regulation, uh, but um, Dallas came ahead again, and I thought then actually Dallas might win by thirty, win at thirty four thirty one, but uh, that would still be okay. It'd still be fine. I was still I was still within. Yeah. So yeah, the, as the, as the fourth when when we got into the fourth quarter, it looked pretty good for me, um, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. So I, I felt. Yeah, I, yeah. Early on, I felt a little bit nervous, but as the, as the game went on, um, it seemed like Jacksonville was, was crawling back into it, and they ended up winning it outright. So uh, Trevor Lawrence had another big game. Um, uh, he was he threw four touchdowns, only one interception. So uh, Prescott didn't play bad either, but it was uh, yeah the. Um, pick six did him in though. Pick six did him in, yeah. And he had two kind of bad picks. One with, yeah. And in terms of uh, total yardage, uh, Jacksonville uh, had over 500 yards of total offense during the game. Uh, not that Dallas did badly; they had almost 400 themselves. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a. Uh, even though the score was a little bit lopsided for a little while, uh, the game was closer uh, mm. than. Uh, than that looked like it and then yeah so i was i was i was pleased with uh uh jaguars hanging close and then extra pleased when they won outright over the over the cowboys yeah how about and, your and, second and, and kept their playoff chances alive too. kept their playoff chances alive. and as we talked about yeah they i was thinking they were they had to beat uh uh the titans record by one game but now they only have to uh if they finish nine and eight and beat the, beat the Titans, um, they can be in it. I guess if they if both the or if both the Titans and the Jaguars finish eight and nine, uh, the Jaguars still. If the Jaguars win the final yeah. game of the season, that will uh, yeah. put them in the playoffs. How about your uh, final pick? Uh, my final pick uh, followed uh, the game itself. Uh, followed a very close trajectory with with this game. I think too it was uh, I had. Maybe maybe it's more split from half, not to into the third quarter anyway. But uh, I had Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa. Uh, Tampa dominated the first half. I think they're up like seventeen to nothing, and then in the second half was all Cincinnati. And uh, that game, I know I was worried about it anyway. Uh, but uh, you know, as it was happening, uh, and then the second half, yeah, happened. Cincinnati like doubled up their score by uh, mid fourth quarter and and you know covered the spread quite handily. Yeah, it was seventeen to nothing, uh, then seventeen to three at halftime, and then uh, Cincinnati rattled off uh, thirty four straight points, and then yeah. there was a fairly meaningless touchdown at the end by uh, by Tampa. Yeah, yeah. So the the bet wasn't in you know wasn't threatened from the fourth quarter at any point in the fourth quarter so that was a uh, you know nice to have after being a little worried in the first half <laughs> yeah 30, yeah 31 straight 31 point 31 second half points for the Bengals uh really helped you out there yeah it doesn't that doesn't hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Bengals are a really good team unfortunately for the Chiefs uh but that maybe next week is going to be a big game uh or not this coming week, but the week after is going to be the Bills at the Bengals. And that might um, really determine whether the Chiefs can get home field advantage or not. Mm-hmm. 
And right now, would you what would, what would uh, before we want you know we aren't looking at the lines for that game. What do you think of the Bills at Bengals? What what would you say the spread would be? You think the Bills would be favored or Cincinnati? Um, I would think. Ooh, that's going to be really close. It might be. It might be about even. My my guess is what the line would be. I would say I would say that it would be an even line. But I think reality, I think Cincinnati should be favored. I don't, I don't think Buffalo has been playing quite as well the last few weeks. They've been struggling a bit at times, and I mean they still won their most recent game, but it wasn't you know dominant by any means um, against Miami. Uh, so my my guess of what the line would be, I would say I would be I uh, pick them right pick now. Them. So you would say on a neutral field, you'd pick Buffalo by a couple of points. Um, oh yeah, no, it, it is that it is at Cincinnati, isn't it's it? At Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. It's at Cincinnati. Yes, that's right. That's right. No, yeah. so I'll stick with that. Is there really a line already? Let's see. Um, Bills. It is. Uh, uh, I'm looking at um, five thirty-eight right now. And their spread is pick that they predict. Yeah, um, and it's because it's Monday. It's Monday night game at Cincinnati. So, there's an early line. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I think ESPN doesn't show a line until Monday. So after the after the previous week's game is completed, I think, then they I think then they show. If that's what you use to look at, yeah, I'm I'm looking at a line. I see Bills minus six right now, but I don't think that can be right. I don't know. No, that's Cincinnati at Buffalo. That's a different game. That's an old game. Um, yeah. Um, hmm. Here we go. Two is yes, the odds are too soon for this other one, so it's it'll it'll, it'll yeah. I think yeah, I think I, they wait till after the this week's games are over. Then. Yeah, I I can see it. Yeah, I would I can see a pick. We'll talk about that when we get talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, going from that potential uh, clash of the titans, we have uh, instead my third uh, bet, which was my favorite victory of the of the week. Um, it was the. <laughs> Uh, clash of the um, I was just gonna ask you what what's the opposite of Clash of the Titans? In, the skirmish of the <laughs> yes uh, of the plebeian sort of, something a, like that a skirmish a, a, a skirmish of the uh, um, diminutives or something uh, and I don't <laughs> I didn't want to say midget or anything uh, yeah. but. Uh, you know, some sort of uh, maybe a hop, maybe a, a a kind of hobbit slap fight. Maybe would be <laughs> roll with it. Yeah, um, that was the Broncos versus at home against the, the Cardinals. Uh, it was an I it was an, it was the over under uh, was was the thirty seven point five was the over under line. And I picked the over because I thought, well, even the Broncos led by Brett Ribbon and the Cardinals led by Colt McCoy, they could muster a game that would be 
you know, 21 to 17 or something like that. And I was really worried for most of the game because um, it wasn't until Trace McSorley got into the game. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until Trace McSorley got into the game. There was a lot of offense. So it was um, six to three at halftime. Right. And it was 10 to nine at the end of the, uh, it was 10 to nine, like almost at the end of the third quarter. And yeah. It was 10 to nine at the end of the third quarter. And then there were 20 points scored in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was 10 to nine at the end of the third, Denver. And then Denver scored two touchdowns and um, uh, the Cardinals uh, scored a, a touchdown as well uh, and did not convert uh, the extra point. So that even without an extra point, uh, a missed, a missed two point conversion, I still covered, it was 24 to 15 um, Broncos over the Cardinals. So I, I, I had a 39, I I had, I had one point to spare uh, for my victory. I could have, yeah. So 24 to 15. So that was my proudest uh, victory where I really, yeah. I usually don't like betting overs. I tend to like betting unders, but this year, um, and that, and that's kind of a contrarian bet too, because that that it looks like one that you might take an under on because those two teams are struggling to score points. Yeah, and that's what they wanted. I th- I figured that's what they that's what they wanted. They were they were yeah. probably going to keep moving it lower and lower and still for, wanting people to take the under. And I thought, um, I, you know, I, I I just thought high altitude. I think Brett Ripon seemed to move the ball pretty well when the when he was playing the Chiefs, and I didn't I. I just, I, yeah, well, it ended up being sort of by the skin of my teeth, but I was, I uh, emerged victorious out of that game. And I, I rang up a three and a week, my first three and a week in a very long time. And uh, where, where does that, where does that put us on the, uh, on the, on the year so far? So you are now only one game under 500 after our, our really quite bad starts. Um yeah, you're you're up to a twenty-two and twenty-three now, only down one hundred dollars on the whole season, or one hundred divided by fifteen. Less, it's just a little over six dollars. Uh, six dollars and sixty-six cents per 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 week. I've lost. Yeah, yeah, not not so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So twenty-two and twenty-three minus one hundred dollars. I'm just behind you. Twenty-one, twenty-three. In that one push, uh, for minus two hundred dollars. So we've we've lost about thirteen. You've lost about thirteen dollars a week. I've only lost less than seven dollars a week. So we are, but we it's it's we both have the shot of going over five hundred um, in week sixteen mm-hmm. uh, for our season total. And then I think we can maybe if we carry that on to the end of the year, we have three more weeks, including this week. Of yeah, uh, we can. We can uh, maybe declare victory. Uh, we we have been approaching this for quite some time, so yeah, it seems like as we get closer, we get we get knocked back down again, and then we have to yeah, a little bit, yeah. But I, I think this is the closest either of us have been to five hundred since the very first week. <laughs> it's been a while, yeah. <laughs> Feels good. Uh, I know, I know. I started somewhere like around four and eight, I think, after week three, somewhere in that area. Yeah, so. We've, I think we've, we've three, and, three and something. I don't know. <laughs> three and six. Three and six, and then 
we really honed our system right. something like that yeah as time has gone on yeah um i think there, there's just more uncertainty at the very beginning of the season because you don't know which teams are going to be predictable there's just more more um yeah more uncertainty less less predictability early on yeah i think that tends to be the case too also though now with injuries and i think the nfl is just a very unpredictable league in general and that's uh part of i guess some of the fun for, for especially when you're not just having to pick an outcome win or lose it's win by yeah an amount or score more than or less than a certain number of points right yeah it's it's a it's you can see why uh it's so difficult to be a professional gambler <laughs> well what what's the i i was looking at this because i think you mentioned something about this the um the the percentage of correct bets that a professional gambler has is it nearly as high as you'd expect i think you need to if you, if you're playing uh, so if you have the juice of you know minus 110 or whatever for those most mm. of the spreads i think uh you need to get about 54% of your picks right uh to end up making money because some of the um money you lose so like you really the way the bet would work is if you have you you bet $110 to make $100 right. on most of these spreads so um losing the um you know that's this, this is really how the how uh, vegas makes makes their money by by making those uh, those like kind of like it's we not talk, even odds right? Right? like the roulette like like roulette we talked about you know you put it back up you know you think red and black it's 50 50 but you really you have only uh you probably have a 48 percent chance of getting red versus or 48 percent chance of getting black right those two um you know green zeros that uh you're on the double zero yeah that that'll that'll work against you so uh, you have to be a little bit yeah so they, yeah they didn't they didn't start las vegas so the uh, so people could make money they, they, they did so they could make money and usually they get uh the better of it and traditionally i think um the most common bet is uh for the favorite mm-hmm. and for the over those are the two uh so if you uh bet against those sometimes you, you can We'll have to sometimes the favorites together when we get to the end of the year to see how what we what our common bets were and what our records were on on those types of bets. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to get that together at the oh, end. Oh, that'd be great. Last yeah. week, of course, I'm betting all favorites and only favorites and overs this this week. Two favorites and an over. But um, Ooh, I've got uh, <laughs> I don't have uh, anything that's the same on these, and there <laughs> I'm betting a pick'em, a favorite, and an over or an in an under. Ooh. Yeah. yeah we'll talk about these bets in a second do you want do you want to briefly talk about the uh, world cup yeah yeah uh, final. Uh, last week i made i i made a uh nostradamus-esque prognostication in predicting that france would beat morocco in the uh semifinal the semifinal um two to zero to make it to the uh final of the world cup uh, we knew Argentina was going to make it when we filmed this next uh, film this last week. So it's going to be Argentina against either Morocco or France. I think uh, the world is probably happy that France, other than people in Morocco, people were happy that France won because it turned out to be a really great game, especially by World Cup and international soccer standards. Uh, it turned out to be a three-three game, even though I guess three of those game, three of those goals in regulation and extra time were penalty kick goals, uh, which 
some I guess some people uh, like for the drama. I don't think any of those penalties were. Um, I don't think any of them were seen as particularly controversial, but yeah, um, the way it ended, where it was, I think, a Mbappe penalty kick in like the 118th minute uh, uh, to tie it, send it to penalty kicks uh, at the end, was, you know, uh, could be a little questionable, but uh, yeah, and then then settling it by penalty kicks is another way that I'm not terribly um fond of but it's just the way it, that's the way it happens and uh argentina won on the penalty kicks i think four to two on penalty kicks so three three game argentina wins on penalty kicks i think it was the first penalty kick um shootout deciding the world cup since 1994 uh in uh in the united states when Brazil beat Italy on penalty kicks. So um, I guess it doesn't happen as often maybe as we, as we think, but yeah. Um, any takeaways from Argentina? Messi got his first world cup Argentina. I mean, France failed to repeat as, cha- as world champions. I think, I think as a whole, I think, yeah, I think Messi winning kind of caps his entire career where you know that may have been the thing that was missing for him and making a challenge for the greatest or at least amongst the greatest players of all time yeah now no one can um say that he doesn't have one so that's uh you know an argument that can't be made against him anymore <laughs> so i think that's that's probably the, maybe the most uh important thing i i am not a fan of well let's see maybe i would say um one of my uh favorite onion articles was um after uh france won oh it must have been in was that 2006 france won in uh 98 and then in 2000 and then in 18 so they won twice okay. they lost they lost to italy in the 2006 final that was the uh famous zidane headbutt maybe that maybe yeah. that was it maybe it was maybe it was an article that was in the lead up to the world cup final where the headline that they had was um, any sport that France can be the best in the world is by definition not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was glad to see um, um, France not not repeat. <laughs> so that <you> know, <laughs> we we can claim soccer as a sport again, at least for uh, until. France tries to win again. <laughs> well, France, I think, had a really good team. Uh, Mbappe is probably the best player in the world yeah. right now. Uh, it, it probably would have really – he still scored three goals uh, in that game. He has two penalty kicks, but still. Um, yeah. That would have maybe solidified him as as perhaps having a claim as the maybe one of the greatest players of all time His team, if France wins two World Cups in a row. Although I don't think um, on the professional level – Mbappe has had quite the success as Messi when Messi Messi played for Barcelona and they always won the Champions League and stuff like that. I don't think Mbappe um, he plays for I guess he plays on the same team now as as Messi and, and they both play for Paris Saint Germain. Um, PSG has not quite had the success internationally lately uh, that some of those other teams have, but maybe that'll change. So yeah, it was an interesting World Cup. You know, unfortunately, it was held in Qatar uh, for a number of reasons. And yeah, yeah, it's. I I think it probably cast 
Katara in a more favorable light uh, because of the competitiveness of the games and things like that than it had any right to be, than, than Qatar has any right to be. But that's just how it is. It was FIFA, corrupt FIFA uh, puts it there. And we wait four more years for the United States, Mexico, and Canada to host. Uh, although there is another World Cup coming up in several months uh, this summer. That's the Women's World Cup. Uh, do you know where the Women's World Cup in 2023 is going to be held? I don't. It's not going to be good for TV if you want to watch it here. It's good. it's held in Australia, New Zealand. Oh, cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, that, they'll make a lot of um, very late games. Or yeah. very early, or, uh, or games yeah. yesterday that should be tomorrow. I don't. I have no idea how how the time works. Right. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, what about eighteen hours ahead of us? I guess right time wise. Uh. Let's see Sydney. So it is right now. Uh, it is three o two. We're I'm, it's eleven o two right now. I'm in the Eastern Time Zone. You're ten o two in Kansas City. It is three o two p.m. Wednesday. Right in, in Sydney. Uh, it's so tomorrow. There. Is fifteen sixteen hours. 16 hours later, okay, yeah, because yeah, I like I watched some um Australian rules football like just before the pandemic and then during the pandemic they had it on a lot um in the US because there weren't you know any sporting events here but they were still playing uh you know there um and you know the afternoon games were you know yeah it was a bit be about that's about right yeah it'd be an afternoon or an evening game would be you know 10 p.m. or midnight i think was the next start time i think so it'd be like a you know mid mid early evening game i guess at like 5 p.m. there and midnight here something like that yeah, yeah. So 1 a.m. start time yeah something like yeah, that 16 hours that's a that's a a tough one it's going to be weird for europe too uh yeah so the games will have to be like at 7 a.m. or something. I don't know. But, uh, but it's, it's like that for, well, you know, watching the Australian Open in, in tennis. and Yeah, that's um, true. And we, we still do it, though, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Or, or they'll, you know, tape delay everything to, for primetime games or. Yeah, I don't know what they'll do. But yeah, it's, it's just like they don't, they don't do that as much anymore. Yeah. And, uh, like soccer games aren't as packaged like the Olympics are. Um, yeah. Even the way yeah, they have like prime time schedules in that way. They'll they'll just play live. Yeah, I guess the USA probably has a much better shot at winning that World Cup than they do the men's World Cup. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we'll wait a few more months for that. Uh, you want to head to, but, but that also means that some some people, especially on the sports media, don't have to pretend to care about soccer for the next like eight months or so, right? Is that, is that <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have like the Champions League and things like that coming up as time goes on, uh, and the battle of the uh, Premier League and and things like that. But uh, yeah, uh, no world, no uh, international soccer or soccer where Americans are really involved at a high level. I guess there are occasional American players in some of these good teams now, but um, it's not like yeah, it's not like the MLS teams are gonna. Uh, win win uh, these global competitions, um, but do what, speaking. Uh, so we'll, maybe we'll we'll end our soccer discussion and move on to week sixteen of the the NFL. And uh, what? Uh, so 
uh, week 16. What uh, is your first bet for week 16? What's, your, what's, your, what's uh, Dr. Scaff's uh, number one pick? Well, this is a weird week, too, where, you know, the typical Sunday games are all being held on, on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, because Christmas is on Sunday, I guess. And they think, mm-hmm. well, they have three games on Sunday and one game on Monday, and all the rest of the games are going to be on Saturday, which is. And, and no buys anymore, right? These are all. No all buys. teams are playing mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. So uh, my uh, my first pick up, I'm actually going to the um, the Thursday game. One of the rare times that we've picked in the Thursday games. I guess we've done it a couple times, but not not uh, super often. December twenty second. Uh, yeah, that Christmas is Eve, uh, Eve, Eve. What Christmas Eve, Eve? Yes, Eve. exactly. <laughs> which which uh, you know in, in uh, the, uh, the the Scaff household is um, also known as, as my brother's birthday. So it'll be twenty second. Yeah, I was thinking he was the twenty sixth. Twenty second. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So you would, you would know better than I would. That's for happy sure. birthday to Stephen, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he'll be rooting for for my pick to probably fail. I'm I'm gonna it's gonna go on a limb here. Uh, but I'm taking uh Jacksonville and the and uh New York uh are have an even line. Uh, so really this is just a pick the winner type game. Uh, I think I think uh Jacksonville has their gonna be trying to keep their playoff chances alive. Uh, Jets are on their way down, I think. Uh, Mike White, I think, is still out. Trevor Lawrence is coming off a pretty good, pretty good win. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the Jags will take this one on the road, and uh, yeah. So I've got yeah Jacksonville with an even spread in the first game. I, 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 if I had to pick that game, I'd pick that too. This is the second week in a row where Jack, where uh, New York Jets have been at home and haven't had a uh, pick 'em game. Uh, the Jacksonville right. Lions won last week. I think. Um, the Jaguars are on a kind of similar upward trajectory uh, that the that the Lions are, have been on. So I think, yeah, I think that's a solid pick, and especially especially with Zach Wilson as quarterback. I think the Jets' offensive upside is pretty limited. So um, yeah, I think I think uh, and then Trevor Lawrence has been playing really well. So I think I would I would lean towards Jacksonville, even if it might be cold. I would lean towards Jacksonville in that game, but you never know. That's why they play, I suppose, and why they try to entice you with those uh, uh, good-looking bets. There are a lot of bets that I thought looked kind of good, but I, I have been second-guessing myself a lot. Um, but since I, my first bet, since I worked, since um, an extremely low total uh, last week, uh, I decided to go with the the over. There's even a lower total this week. Um, the the Saint the Saints at the Browns on Saturday. The Saints Browns uh, over under line is 32, and neither the Saints nor the Browns have a pro- have prolific offenses right now. But I still, and the weather might be bad, but I still think that it will go over. They really want you to take that. Uh, I think they're looking for um, everybody's taking the under. It seems like so they're probably looking for people to go over, break even. And I think all that has to be is 20 to 13, and or 19 to 14 you know it'll be it'll be over so i think we can get three to, or I think we can get 33 to zero that works too yeah yeah 33 zero the worst outcome i could see would be a 21 to 10 game right <laughs> <laughs> i could see that ha- that was only that could be a like the likely score outcome but um 20 yeah i, I think as long as 
yeah, 32 is absurdly low. And I know games can be low. There have been lots of very – the under has been the bad of the year so far in the NFL this season. Uh, but I think the I think the uh, the sports books have figured that out. So they're I think they're artificially putting things a little bit lower than they normally might. Uh, so I noticed to Cleveland, New Orleans, over thirty two. Even that, and this also doesn't mean I will be betting on uh, Deshaun Watson uh, winning a game. Just that uh, there will be enough points scored by his team or against his team. Um, uh, this season so yeah they, you know they have a good running game mm-hmm. too and they have a dynamic quarterback whether or not you like him or not <laughs> uh you know it doesn't matter yeah but they do have those things and it seems like that should be enough to get some points but they have not been scoring the first couple of games that uh you know Deshaun no. has been under center i will i will say that their last their you know this most recent game uh cleveland Baltimore over under was 39 and combined they made it to 16. <laughs> Mike, does that worry you? A bit, but uh, I'm, I'm counting a little bit on my, my, one of my enemies, uh, Taysom Hill to uh, pull through for uh, New Orleans. Do you realize that um, Taysom Hill uh, this year has a 147.3 quarterback rating? Uh he has thrown for two interceptions, no, or two two touchdowns, no interceptions, eleven of seventeen for two hundred sixteen yards so far. So if they, I think if they uh, give it to Hill a little bit more, maybe we'll have a, a bigger, a better shot at uh, going over thirty two, which is you know just stepping, you know, <laughs> you know, step over a slightly, you know, you know, a, a small step in that's uh, you know one small step for man, uh, one giant. For a man, one giant leap for mankind. I think this is neither is a giant leap. This is this is a small step for mankind, uh, as well as as for an individual person. So I, I'm I'm confident they can they can do that. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I ever expected this to have Mike rooting for Taysom Hill. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, Taysom Hill and Deshaun Watson to work together uh, <laughs> to get some points scored. You don't care if anybody wins. Maybe you hope they both lose, but it doesn't matter as long as they score more than 32 points combined. Right? Yeah, a 17-17 tie, I think, uh, would be funny. It's fine. That's fine. That works. Yeah. yeah. I actually kind of want New Orleans to win just to continue <laughs> to um, screw up the NFC South uh, playoff race. Yeah. And maybe there could be um, a four-way tie at 7-10. and 10. Uh, for the for the NFC South uh, playoffs, you're, you're playing the um, agent of chaos role. Yes. You know? <laughs> I want it to be a mess. I, and and I think if all four teams were seven and ten, I think there would be some sort of push by the NFL uh, to say that a division winner has to at least be has to win at least eight games uh, to get a home to get a playoff. Uh, yeah, for the playoffs. Um, I think that's I think that should be a I think it should be a minimum. Uh, qualification standard 500 record or, or winning record i'd say not even a winning record so if you're eight nine you know i'd say you have i'd say just win eight games out yeah of, out of 17 so so if you are a true agent of chaos then hoping for like a tie or or you know this you know big pile up what if the scenario comes out 
where the game ends in a 16-16 tie. <laughs> and therefore a push in your bet. That How annoyed be, will you be when that happens? I'd be annoyed, but I wouldn't be as annoyed if it were a 15 to 15 tie. Uh, <laughs> I, I, a push right now would, uh, you know, because you have a push so far on your record. So I, I just need, I, I need to stay ahead of you as well. So um, I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the most, I would be irked, but <laughs> nonplussed even. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even uh, vexed. <laughs> but not bewildered. But not, actually, uh, not bewildered uh, to bring that back from a few weeks ago. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't vexed though. It was uh, bewildered. They were bewildered. It wasn't bewildered either. It was something. It was something else. Was something oh, flummoxed. 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 That's it. That's yeah. what it was. Flummoxed. I wouldn't be flummoxed. Flummoxed. I think. I think we decided that bewildered would have been. More I guess. I would have been, been most appropriate. Yes. I would have been flummoxed if I were. Bill Belichick by the decision uh, of his players uh, on the final play of, of the Raiders game and Patriots game. That Unless that's what he's been teaching them to do, and then they I would have been flummoxed. They there, pulled but... it off exactly as they planned it. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. And how about your second bet? So my second pick, um, I'm sticking with uh, a theme that I had last week too with uh, Cincinnati, maybe trying to make a push for the one seed even. Uh, and they're they've got a game this week where they're favored by three and a half points at New England. Uh, I expect Cincy to like not leave much doubt, uh, in trying to like you know make this push. Uh, I think they I think they will easily cover that uh, three and a half point spread. So Cincy minus three and a half. Yeah, I could see that too. I, I don't. I I think New England somehow being at seven and seven is kind of a miracle, uh, given that given their offensive weaknesses especially so i don't i don't i don't think they can i think they'll i think if you play against cincinnati you have to keep up with uh and score with them and i, I don't i don't see that at least not i, I still i i mean i'm i'm maybe uh, uh not in the majority here but i still think bailey zappy is is a better quarterback than mac jones and maybe it was just because i saw mac jones get uh planted uh, face planted by uh Chandler Jones when he intercepted that <laughs> uh, lateral and uh, uh tried to get tackled it looked a little bit it looked even worse than the Russell Wilson uh tackle on Willie Gay last or uh, a couple, uh, a couple right. weeks ago than uh <laughs> right Jones and Chandler Jones so yeah um I I, I would I I think that's a I, that's the side I would be on so but you know that doesn't mean that doesn't mean uh, a guaranteed win. That's for sure. Speaking of not a guaranteed win, my second uh, pick is the Chiefs. I'm going back to the Chiefs minus nine and a half at home against the Seahawks. The last time I bet the Chiefs minus nine and a half at home, that was a few weeks ago. That was against the Jaguars, and they won by ten. So they covered that week. I think the Jaguars were a better team even though they had a worse record than the Seahawks. Um, and I think that the Chiefs had a lot of close games lately. I think they're going to want to try to win one comfortably. The cold weather, I think, will actually help them do that more easily. They tend to play pretty well in the cold. And I see a more comfortable victory here as the Chiefs try to win out uh, to uh, win the one seats. So I see the Chiefs minus nine and a half. And I think they finally get to play 
up a little bit. The last couple of weeks have been against kind of uh, what are looked at being a, a you know weaker opponents, and the Chiefs do seem to play to the level of their opponent. So maybe they get to play a little better this time. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, maybe you could say though that the Seahawks are five hundred, the battling for a playoff spot. They're really going to be up for this game because they desperately need this uh, game to to make the playoffs. Really, that they are um, on the outside looking in right now. They have no chance at the division. They really really need to yeah they seem to be fading at least a bit uh as the season's worn on yeah right now the seahawks have a according to 530 have a 30 chance of making the playoffs they're behind the lions right now wow and behind the commanders of course and so yeah they need they this is a must-win game for them but uh and then they play home against the Jets and home against the Rams. So they probably, I would say, need to win, probably need to win out to make it. Or at least win two out of the three. And, mm. But um, this game's like, yeah, it's the Chiefs, I think, so I think the Chiefs will be up for it. And so, yeah, I think they'll win by, I think they'll win by double digits. It's always, it's always good to try to go in into the, the playoff scenario having hopefully winning in dominant fashion against teams that are potentially contenders, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. And um, the Chiefs, according to 538, uh, disregarding the other results, uh, if they win out, uh, they have a 66% chance of winning the first round by, by just by winning out. So they really need to do that. Yeah. One loss will... Well, they need, they need Cincinnati to beat Buffalo <laughs> then, right? Yeah, they need uh, Cincinnati to beat Buffalo. If they lose one of these, if they lose against Seattle, they only have a 12% chance of, of getting the first round by. Like it's, yeah, like it's much, the route becomes much more difficult. Yeah, any loss basically bumps them down to a, a, a 12% chance from a, two, from a 66% chance. <clears throat> Who's your who's your third uh, third pick? So my third pick, I'm doing something a little atypical for myself, anyway. Um, but there is an, an NFC defensive struggle uh, likely coming up here between I think two of the two of the top three defenses in, in the NFC: Washington at San Francisco. The over under line is um, a little higher than I would have guessed, thirty nine and a half. Um, and I think I'm going to take the under in this one. I think uh, mm-hmm. the defenses uh, will be on display, and I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. I I think I'd like to continue to bet on Purdy and and San Francisco, but uh, I'm not sure that they um, will cover the seven point spread that it is. So um, I think they'll win, but I think. Uh, I think I feel more confident in the um, the under on this on that game. Anyway. Okay, I could see that. Even like even if you think the uh, 49ers are going to win big, a you know twenty seven to ten win would be comfortably not comfortably but under. Uh, <laughs> you get, you know, you get like, a little nervous there anyway. Yeah, yeah. twenty four to ten something like that. Yeah, if they play as well as they like. I 
I don't think Washington's offense is that great. And but the, but the defense has been very strong though, the yeah, last, especially been, recently. Yeah, and they've only given up more than twenty points a couple times in the last like six weeks or seven weeks. Um, and it's like I think over the times they've given up more than twenty, it's only been like by you know one more point. I think twenty-one, I think, is the high they've given up recently. So, so even yeah, so if they hold if they hold, I think um, San Francisco twenty-one or fewer, I think that I think you have a good shot for for sure of winning winning mm-hmm. the under. But even if they go over, I, I don't. I don't see the Washington scoring more than two touchdowns, really. So, it, it'll what be, do you think so? Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. Speak, yeah. So I also my last bet is also an NFC matchup between two playoff hopefuls, and that is the Giants at the Vikings, and uh, that is. Uh, the Vikings are favored by three and a half at home against the Giants. It is, you know, the, the Vikings have not been very impressive in most of their victories. They've won a lot of very close games. They've lost a lot of blowouts to good teams. But here they're out, they're at home. It's a Saturday game, one o'clock p.m. Sandwiched amongst um, amongst a lot of other one o'clock games. So I think we won't get uh, the frightened primetime Kirk Cousins effect, we will have instead the solid uh, matinee Kirk Cousins. And uh, Cousins uh, this year uh, has been has been really good. And he had a um, he's been he's been playing very well as of late. He has uh, he was in his last uh, four games, he's thrown six, ten touchdowns on the three interceptions. He threw for he's thrown for over four hundred yards in two consecutive games now, and so I can see uh, the Vikings scoring enough points to stay ahead of the Giants. I think Giants have a good defense, but I don't think their offense is really good enough to take advantage of Minnesota's weaknesses on defense either so i think it also i think new york is coming off a big victory against uh their division rival this game i think whether the giants win or lose they're still probably going to make the playoffs uh no matter what since they won that last game i think that, uh, mm-hmm. and so i think i think minnesota is still looking for maybe confirmation uh, that they are a good team and looking for a little bit of respect from uh, the rest of the NFL. So I think beating a playoff caliber team at home uh, will, will help. And so it's a three and a half point spread. I'd rather have it be a three or a two and a half point spread, obviously, but I still think, uh, I still think Minnesota will be able to score enough. So that's, I'm talking myself in the, the Vikings uh, here at home. Last time I think I picked the Vikings at home against a potential playoff team was was it was it the dallas game uh where they got blown out oh yeah <laughs> maybe I, I i can't remember that I, I don't remember if i picked, picked them to beat the jets at home i think i i think i did that as well i predicted the uh vikings to cover against the new york jets at home as well and they did that so i think maybe they'll do it against the giants too so um yeah you had a yeah week 11 yeah you had them against dallas Let's see if I can quickly find something else. 
Uh, you you had them. You had an under uh, with them against the Lions uh, way back that you got apparently. I think I had week thirteen Minnesota against the Jets that the they won by five. These are in random order, Mike. This is not <laughs> here's week thirteen. Uh, no, no Minnesota week thirteen. Oh, I didn't. Have oh, we had week twelve. Week twelve minus three gets the Jets, and you got it. Yes, so similar. Okay, week twelve. There you go. Yeah, so Jets, uh, New York teams at home, uh, in the in a three uh, in a less than four point spread. I what I'm one hundred percent so far on the year, so I'm looking to continue that. Does it worry you that they're only plus two point differential on the season? You're asking them to double their entire season's point <laughs> differential in a single game. Is that worrisome or it no? Is worrisome, but the Giants, fortunately, are even worse in port, point differential than uh, the the uh, Vikings. The Giants' point differential so far on the season, I believe, is minus. 25. 25. Even though they have a winning record, they have a minus 25 point. So perhaps they're even more fraudulent than the Vikings. So the the Lions are plus five at seven and seven. Well the while the Vikings are uh you know eleven and three and plus two. Yes. <laughs> the, only Crazy. Team, the only team that's really playing to its exact level that it should be, according to the plus minus differential is the Seattle Seahawks. They are seven and seven with a zero. Even. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Raiders are plus one at six and eight. Yeah. The Dolphins are plus one at eight and six. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think, yeah. It is kind of funny to be like this deep into the season and be, you know, like basically neutral. Usually you go, you know, one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems funny, yeah, because like you may have gone, you know, all over the place, point scoring, but then you're, you know, flat. Yeah. The, like, where have you actually gone all season if you haven't gone anywhere, right? Yeah, it seems like the Chiefs have been playing lots and lots of close games, but there's still a plus 92 mm. point differential. Over 14 games, so that's, yeah. That's similar to where the Bengals are. The Bengals are plus eighty one, so they have the Chiefs are above. Uh, Percentage wise, that'd be very that'd be like extremely close to what the Bengals Mm -hmm. are for expected wins based on that. Mm -hmm. The Eagles, Cowboys, and Bills are the only teams above one hundred. No, no, and this and the Forty Niners are also, uh, yeah, one hundred. Even though the Chiefs beat the Forty Niners by twenty three points. Uh, on the road, the point differential is still pretty good. So I I, I feel like um, look at, look at the NFC South for a point differential though. That's what's that's where yeah. it's amusing. Yeah, the NFC South everybody's low, and the Chiefs' losses I think have come from a combined ten points. So even if they're fourteen and zero, um, they would if they won each of those games by one point, uh, they would only be a hundred plus one hundred and five. That would be lower than any of the other. Yeah, they a lot of close games. Yeah, they just they just they do play very close. They, games. they try to keep it close, even when they're. I think when they win, they 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 intentionally deflate their score because of Andy Reid Andy Reid's gentlemanly behavior. 
that's what that's what we're gonna have to see if if, if you take a Chiefs approach and and try to you know now that you've taken a lead uh, in our betting competition, will you you know relax a bit and try to like coast to a gentlemanly one yeah. one you know one uh, you know correct bet victory now that you have that one lead. Is that what's going to happen now? You're going to like let me back yeah. into this here. In the I'm last just going to try to run out the clock weeks. and yeah, go for you. Not try to go three and zero every week, but only try to go two and one every week. Right, you're going to aim <laughs> for two and one because that's what that's like. I think that's the highest I've ever gotten is two and one, but because yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I've gotten three correct in a in a week. Yeah, so I, I just need to. St- yeah, some but... some team has always you know cheated me out of that last <laughs> win, but we'll we'll see if that happens again this next week um should we wrap it up sure uh so good luck to everybody uh in week 16 we wish everybody a merry christmas happy hanukkah happy winter holiday whatever you might be celebrating and we'll be back with another exciting morning track power hour next week uh getting ready for real crunch time in the nfl season but until then I am Dr. Michael Werman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Track Power Hour. Please like and subscribe to our podcast delivery vehicles, whether audio or video on YouTube. And until next week, do we have anything to add between my sign-off and uh, this? I don't think so. We will cut this part out. So until uh, until next week, I bid you good day.